Hi, everyone. I'm Becky. And this is Claire. You say it so silently. Every time that I edit, (laughs) it's always like the super energetic, hi, everyone. Becky and then you get you go like very quietly very oh, composed you, can, you, you know you can and actually just like adjust the volume too. <laughs> oh no like the differences in the tone you know like oh. one of it is super like on it and then the other one is very calm cool and collected <laughs> I All feel right, like we can, encapsulated we can just be like Claire this is <laughs> here is Claire here comes Claire Claire announced your name with some excitement <laughs> behind it no no I wish let me try the cool calm and composed one hello (laughs) (laughs) sorry I got for me I don't know hello I'm Becky (laughs) (laughs) this is so not working no no let's just get on to it already (laughs) and welcome to another episode of Podway so in this podcast with this goes things related to musical theaters and plays and in today's episode we will be doing the unofficial Bridgerton musical. I'm so glad you said the unofficial Bridgerton musical because I had a feeling you would say the Bridgerton musical and that gives me the impression that you read up on it a little bit. I read the Wikipedia page and Mm. and wait for it I actually also watched three episodes. Are you proud? Wow. I'm surprised. Three episodes. I know. I know. Did you download them and you like watched it while traveling? No. Wow. I actually watched it at home at my (gasps) leisure time. (gasps) Did your boyfriend join? (laughs) No. (laughs) It's like a very interesting reaction to it I think we both did uh, Ooh, okay yeah. I'm gonna give a brief synopsis and I want to hear all about your reaction okay. to it because I had no idea what kind of level of preparedness you'll have and I was going to start with like a whole thing mm-hmm. and now I'm scrapping it or I'll modify it <laughs> we'll see we'll see we'll see how it goes okay. but the musical is essentially Bridgerton season one it follows Daphne Bridgerton, a noble woman in Edwardian era England, in her quest to secure a good love match. Due to lack of suitable suitors, she enters into a mutually beneficial fake courtship with the highly desirable Duke of Hastings in order to make him unavailable and therefore free and her more desirable to other suitors. The musical follows how the relationship unfolds. And while we're at it, we can go a little bit into the background, the reason why we're talking about it today, even though it's gonna come a little bit later, so it probably will be after the big boo-ha-ha is done um, and people get bored of the whole news, but the reason we're recording today is this. The background for this one is very, very unique because it started its life on TikTok. So the creators, Abigail Barlow and Emily Beer, collaborated on first composing and arranging a line directly from the show and then composing whole songs and finally releasing an album like Spotify and YouTube and all that. The process was highly collaborative with our fans on social media, which is really interesting because I don't think we've seen anything like that before. I guess that's what you get from like starting a musical literally on TikTok on social media but Mm -hmm. if they have the live streams um saved somewhere I think I'll be really interested to see because it might give us really good insight on like to how musicals are created which would be good for future references you know Mm -hmm. um but in 2022 the musical received a Grammy oh sorry I think it was 2021 the musical received a Grammy in the musical theater category making Barlow and Bear the youngest nominees and winners as well as making the unofficial Bridgerton musical the first musical created on TikTok to receive such recognition till this date I believe the songs from TikTok have like 
200 million views and like 48 million likes which is insane I cannot visually like I cannot conceptualize those kind of numbers it's almost wow. as big as the United States <laughs> that's true uh, maybe a third the size but st- mm-hmm. uh, two thirds the size the size so the reason why we're talking about it is in addition to the album available on Spotify, Barlow and Bear sang some songs in a charity concert in 2021. And on July 2022, so essentially just now, we're recording this in the beginning of August, Bear and Barlow held a concert dedicated to the unofficial Bridgerton musical uh, at the Kennedy Center in Washington. So not only is it like a massive arena, apparently, but the singers include well-known names from Broadway, such as Danae Benton. I don't know if if you know who she is, but I know her from my favorite musical, uh, which is why I really perked up reading her name. I was like, what? They got her? How? And um, they were also planning on going international on an international tour to the Royal Albert Hall in England. So yeah, it's massive. At the same time, though, uh, so both the same time and the same like location as the Bridgerton musical concert that uh, Barlow and Bear were holding, there was the Bridgerton Experience, which is the officially licensed Netflix experience for Bridgerton. They're having one here in Toronto, by the way, which could be really, really cool. I might. It's funny because it. I think after I start watching the show, my phone literally i'm telling you it really spies on me it just starts showing all these um commercials and ads for that event really? so yes i have been seeing it on my facebook my instagram my everywhere even though i did not search it with my phone so scary scary but i guess that's what you get for like i don't know using iphone i guess <laughs> i think it's probably tracking your ip address maybe who knows so if you looked it up on your like phone not on your phone on your computer or like tablet or whatever it probably recognizes the same area and that's why it does that but I got them also around the same time I think I also got them before we were really looking into doing this one but I definitely noticed the advertisements there are quite a few of them and I only got mine on Facebook actually I don't think I've got them on Instagram Mm -hmm. so yeah there is one in Toronto which is really really interesting might go might not it happened in like many other locations. Obviously in Washington, they had one. They had like a similar concept in the UK already and they had them in other US cities. So if you guys are listening to it and you went to one of them or you know somebody who did and you can give us opinions on how you liked it, like we'd be really curious to know because it might influence whether we'd go or not. So that happened. And um, where was I? Yeah. Allegedly, Barlow and Beer didn't have the rights or licensing to Bridgerton and therefore cannot legally profit off of their creation, which is the unofficial Bridgerton musical. And uh, that's why Netflix came out with a lawsuit in just now, essentially, I think July 2022. And because of that lawsuit, they had to cancel their UK performance in the Royal Albert Hall. But the reason or what they're alleging is happening, everything is alleged. I know nothing about legal stuff. So I feel like just putting alleged in very opportune locations within my text will make me 
free like will make me bulletproof from any kind of like litigations that's at least what I'm hoping it's like a magic word we can use but the name Bridgerton itself is trademarked by Netflix meaning they cannot use it but Netflix did let it slide quite a few times when they created their album when uh, they were doing all their stuff on TikTok when they are kind of associating themselves with the Bridgerton musical like as a Bridgerton musical creators so they have used it before Netflix let it slide Um, Netflix also warned them about the infringement as soon as they announced their concert so two months in advance and lastly both the creator of the book and show um, Julia Quinn and Shonda Rhimes receptive um respectfully respectfully <laughs> um respectively where sign up on the um on the lawsuit so they're against the whole idea too so the worst part of it though is that according to Netflix they offered Barlow and Bear licensing rights mm-hmm. for their concerts and they refused it and that's also part of the reason why they're suing so I don't know what's going on with Barlow and Bear of course I'm, I'll be really curious to see how this uh, litigation progresses. I'll also be very, very shocked if we actually get a trial out of this. I'm pretty sure they'll settle out of court, but I am not a lawyer, of course, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, I think it's just unfortunate that they didn't take the deal. I don't know why <laughs> or yeah. who would advise them to do it. Did they decide on themselves? Who knows? But it just seems like the most logical thing to do. And you literally were offered the opportunity to continue with what you have accomplished, but they just turned that opportunity away. So I don't know. I've seen a lot of people calling them greedy. And I guess I'll that's what I've seen my, too. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'll reserve my comment on it just because I don't really know. Um, but you know, it's really hard not to appear as greedy if that's what is on the table right now. And I have also heard that the reason why Netflix didn't sue them before was that you're not supposed to profit from it. So whatever the charity stuff that they did or the fact that they recorded an album, as long as they didn't get the money out of it, it was, well, I guess, okay. But as soon as you start selling it as your own property, then it's really not up in there I guess liking (laughs) right for sure yeah there is some back and forth regarding that so I've seen people actually calling Netflix greedy because the only reason why they started enforcing it is because they saw revenue from the concert because apparently some of the tickets to the concert went for as much as $150 which is massive amounts for something like this so I think I've seen people calling Netflix greedy instead of Bear and Barlow because of that I don't um, think that's fair, though. I really don't think that's fair. Because I agree. Really, yeah. this is their stuff. And yeah. if they have already all the legal rights to it, it's literally claiming what is yours, you know? It's not like they're trying to steal or borrow the work from these two people to claim it as their own. It's yeah. just literally just saying that you can't profit out of it because we have all the legal rights, um, the copyright, the trademark, whatever, to the name Bridgerton. So... As far, I mean, I'm no legal expert too. I'm <laughs> definitely not a lawyer, but it's just as far as how this whole thing seems like and appear, I wouldn't be the one thinking that Netflix is greedy in this case. Oh, no, I 100% yeah. agree. And the majority of the people, people, other people's opinion that I've seen, they were kind of chastising Barlow and Bear and siding with Netflix, which is pretty unusual because I feel like in today's climate, most people would side with a person who is um the underdog rather than the big massive company that's already attracting a lot of negative energy and uh, commentary because of their 
various uh, plans, for example, introducing advertisements and tiers and also stopping password tiering. So Netflix is already increasingly unpopular with people and they have people are siding with them. And I think it kind of shows that there might be some real issues with the infringement they have. It's it's essentially like copyright infringement. I don't think there is any way around it, allegedly. Mm-hmm. But um, the other thing is that I've seen is they were profiting from it before the concert. Obviously not to the same extent, but you do get profits from streaming on Spotify. Um, so they did profit from the name and they did profit from the concept before. I think it's to Netflix benefit that they let it slide because it raised the profile of the show itself as well as their profile so it was pretty much mutually beneficial but enough is enough especially when they're direct competitors if they're both taking place in the same place at the same time then they're really competing with each other and why would Mm -hmm. Netflix allow that not only are they losing profit because people choose to go there but they're losing profit because it's their own name that they're using without permission Yeah, so I don't know. Um, A little bit questionable here and there. I guess for the time being, most people probably just enjoy it. But I'm really curious to see how the lawsuit is going to go. Because I think if 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 anything, it kind of like teaches you a really important lesson, right? Like about like intellectual property, right? And stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I'll be very surprised all the time. But you Mm -hmm. just got to like respect boundary when there is one. And there's just certain lines that should not be crossed. Totally. I'll be very surprised if we see an actual trial from this. I'm relatively sure they'll settle out of court. It makes mm-hmm. no sense for, and I don't think they'll have the funds for Barlow and Bear to really drag it out. So they'll probably do everything in their power to settle, in my opinion. Yeah. And honestly, from a non-expert law perspective, I don't even know how they're going to win this if it's they an not. actual case, you know? They would not. I, I yeah. would be very surprised if they would. I think it's yeah. pretty clear ca- a clear cut case of infringement, especially when they had the opportunity to get licensing rights and they refused. Like exactly. on what basis would they refuse? What is the reasoning for this? Is it legitimate? I doubt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And apparently, I don't know if this is true because I've only seen one person say it, say this and there was only one source for this. But after their concert and after they released the album itself, Netflix kind of made it very clear that this is the last stretch for their generosity, I suppose, with the name and with the concept without official licensing. So even before the concept of the concert came to life, they apparently made it clear that they're not going to let it slide again. I don't know if this is true. This is just something I've heard from a single source. So you'll have to double check on that. But it's really, really difficult to side with Barlow and Bear and it doesn't mean anything about like their personalities necessarily sometimes you just fly too close to the sun and you don't see it coming and you have to learn from it or their creation or anything like that it's just an unfortunate situation I think that you can learn yeah. a lot from yeah for sure so a very dramatic um <laughs> production history of the we musical for the drama game. that's what we're here for I know <laughs> I know <laughs> um okay so with that out of the way what is your background like with Bridgerton so like, again, nothing. But once you kind of brought it up, I try and watch the first episode, which was pretty interesting. It kind of reminds me of Pride and Prejudice in some way, even mm-hmm. though you can clearly see that they have lower budget and whatsoever. A lot of the dress and setups and, you know, just the props are 
looks like yeah all right they don't have a lot of money to spend on this show probably but it was interesting enough for me to click on the second episode and maybe the one after and obviously I watched it with my boyfriend and I guess you were trying to figure out what he thinks too so I'll just Mm -hmm. share it here one thing that we both found kind of ridiculous about the show was just how modern it feels like like yeah it was like a weird blend of trying to stay to the classic or the more traditional side of things versus what they can do with the diversity and the creativity and making it more modern relatable. And I don't think it's to my liking too much. So for example, whenever, um, what's his name? Simon mm-hmm. was seen in his side hobby, like doing boxing and everything. I just found it was so ridiculous like so weird and so funny too like the fact that he will just be like half naked and and punching and doing boxing with some other dude when he's a duke I don't know it just doesn't seem realistic and believable to me but I just thought it was really funny okay Hmm. that's really interesting I think you hit the nail on the head because the reason why this stood out apart from the fact that this came out during the beginning of the pandemic and there was nothing else to see, is because of the mixture of modernity and ancient tiny era. And when people were advertising it, and I'll repeat it again in the summer that I have, they were advertising it kind of as a Pride and Prejudice meets Gossip Girl, mm-hmm. for obvious elements we'll talk about later. And obviously the Pride and Prejudice portion of it is the... Uh, old-timey Edwardian era England while the Gossip Girl is something is all more recent and they really leaned into it not only with the diverse casting obviously but also all the dance songs that they had during the ball scenes for example were modern day songs that had classical arrangement as if they were made in the Edwardian era which I thought was really nice like I liked the part of it like because it is definitely something that is planned it shows that they weren't just inserting modern day elements without thinking about it there was some thought behind it so that portion of it I like some other portion I agree or low but more ridiculous this one I think is small and tasteful and makes sense and I think it's also becoming a trend because of Bridgerton to insert some modern day um, sensitivities to classical pieces like Persuasion I guess from Jane Eyre um, that just came on, on Netflix and they had a lot of like modern day ideas in there too So I think it was really a trendsetter. It was very, very noticeable in the fashion front because it wasn't really Edwardian because based on the fashion that most people wore, it was mainly like a normal, maybe even Rococo um, corsets that uh, Mm -hmm. people started sporting all over the place. And they started doing a lot of like elegant jewelry and something from before the 18th century. So people were really, really inspired by that, which I thought was very neat. It broke a lot of Netflix record at the time. I think it had like 650 million hours of watching or something just on the first month of release if I remember correctly which is huge numbers and it could be because everybody was depressed from the pandemic I don't know but there is no denying that it was a very influential um, show as for me I started watching it maybe a month before we decided to do the Bridgerton musical like Mm -hmm. I think the first time that I even said it out loud I've just seen it around but I haven't even watched anything or consumed anything Bridgerton related except for like maybe a couple of video essays 
But um, when I started watching it, I started watching it from season two because everybody said it was amazing and much, much better than season one. I agree. So I watched season two fully and I was like, oh, okay, season two is actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. And then I went to season one, which I enjoyed final like as well, except for like the scene where they had sexual assault. Did you get to that part? Probably not, right? No. Uh, with who? Uh, with Daphne and Simon. The sexual assault? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Okay. Yeah, you didn't get to that part. <laughs> um, you said that there, there's a wrestling competition when she was with the prince. This is happens. This happens after they get married. Um, but essentially, Daphne assaults Simon. What? Yeah. Okay. But mm-hmm. to give you the skinny of it all, um, as you know, Simon says that he cannot have kids. Y- you got to that part, right? I got to the part where it was shown that he said to his dying father that he yes. will never have kids. So yes. is that why? Okay, cool. So he told Daphne that he cannot have kids and therefore she thought he's sterile and he physically cannot have kids. Um, but what he really means is he doesn't want to have kids because of the vow he made to his father. And mm-hmm. when she finally received a little bit more of sex, sex education, I guess, and she learned how kids are made, um, she... She pretty much rapes him because she forces him to come inside her. Um, And he was obviously really, really angry. And she was really angry for absolutely no reason considering she assaulted him. And they had like a whole breakup separation for a while. So that was a very, very horrible thing to view because it's literally a sexual assault in something that's supposed to be a lovey-dovey rom-com show. They have none of that in season two. But up until that point... I was totally okay with season one and then I could still have some some portion of of the rest of the season that I enjoyed but I didn't like the resolution much from this Mm -hmm. but uh season two in my opinion is much better so I watched it in reverse order just because everybody else was in agreement season two is much better Mm -hmm. and out of curiosity I watched season one as well and in terms of the Bridgerton the unofficial Bridgerton musical I had no sort of interaction with it until this episode I just was familiar with it when I saw the lawsuit was coming out I was like okay we we might as well do this now Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay yes we are talking about season one though so maybe we'll go into the (laughs) in-depth summary then okay and even the summary spoiler alert is not going to be that in-depth because I am going to introduce the subplots as they come in the songs Mm -hmm. but then I'm going to promptly drop them because Mm -hmm. they don't show up in the songs much more so the musical follows the first season of the Netflix series Bridgerton as we discussed it revolves around the titular family as they find love and get married and the first season also we discussed follows Daphne Bridgerton Daphne is the first daughter in the family to reach marriage age and as a result will participate in a debutante ball in front of of the queen. Daphne is pretty much like a gentle and loving person who desperately wants to have a love match and a big family with many children just like her parents. The ball is her one and only chance to make a big impression and snag an advantageous match. So either, and very much preferably, a love match or even just to like elevate her and her family's standing. Daphne dazzles everyone at the ball and the queen singles her out to be the diamond of the season, which is a huge honor. The other very important family to follow is the Featheringtons. So the Featheringtons as a whole are 
pretty obnoxious. They are very ostentatious. They care a lot about their class understanding and not about anything else really the family does have a title but it's lower than the bridgertons and they also don't have much funds if you watch the show you would know that they're actually very much in debt and it's something that their arc revolves around Mm -hmm. so everyone in that family is a little bit off except for penelope who is a good friend of the bridgertons so particularly she is eloise's bridgertons best friend and eloise was Hmm. She was born in the wrong era. I think this is the best way to explain her because she's like a very driven and visionary person. And she's like also a feminist, has, pretty much. Yeah, she's a feminist, yeah. but she's also like they kind of go into like communist even with her. I feel like they they go they go places with her, especially in season two. And it's very, very interesting. But uh she really has no interest in like balls and suitors and all that kind of stuff. And uh she feels out of place most of the time. And in addition to being Eloise's best friend, Penelope is also in love with Colin Bridgerton, but she feels that due to her weight, Penelope is overweight, and Station, he will never be interested in her. The Featheringtons have three daughters, and all three of them are coming out this season. I have no idea why all of them are coming out at once, considering they're definitely different ages. Like, I don't think any of them are twins or triplets or anything like that. But uh, that puts a lot of pressure on their family. And not only do they have these three daughters, in addition, a distant cousin comes to London to have her debut. And the cousin's name is Marina, who is both beautiful and personable. At the ball, Daphne has many interested suitors, but her oldest brother, Anthony, who we talked about, he is the protagonist of season two. He kind of shoots them all down. Since their father is dead, Anthony holds the title of the Viscount and he's very protective over his family. Meanwhile, everyone is fascinated by Marina at the ball. And as a result, the next day when the courting is supposed to really start, Daphne receives no suitors except for one very slimy and disgusting person, while all the actual like eligible suitors flock to Marina. Uh, as we mentioned, there is a little note about Anthony, and that's revolving around his subplot this season, and it is mentioned several times in the musical. He has his own lover at this time. Her name is Sienna, who is a commoner, and um, because she's a commoner, she's an opera singer, they can't really be publicly courting or even publicly seen together in like a romantic context, and because of that kind of like, conflict, she dumps him because she deserves better, and uh, that leaves him heartbroken. Bridgerton was marketed as Pride and Prejudice meets Gossip Girl, as we mentioned already, and the Pride and Prejudice component, obviously, is the fact that it takes place in Regency era, but the Gossip Girl component is Lady Whistledown. So Lady Whistledown is an anonymous gossip columnist who publicly reveals everyone's secrets via her column. Uh, she notes that Daphne isn't receiving as many matches as anticipated, and it might signal the fact that the queen made the wrong choice and she doesn't know how to judge people correctly, which is <laughs> threatening her reputation immensely. Oh my goodness. So obviously the queen is livid and would like to catch Lady Whistledown immediately. So she recruits Eloise to figure out who Lady Whistledown is. And for the sake of time, and because I don't want to summarize all the subplots here, forgive me. uh, I'm only mentioning the subplot as long as they exist in the plot. And this is pretty much when the Lady Whistledown subplot is done in the musical. 
long story short, Eloise and the queen don't catch Lady Whistle down. And in fact, Eloise kind of like sabotages the queen's oh. attempt to catch her. Oh, also, okay. spoiler alerts to you. Do you have any inkling who Lady Whistledown may be? I thought about it. I mean, obviously, she has to be somebody important for the audience to go like, oh, is this person? And I don't think she would be from the Bridgerton family. Hmm. So my guess is Vanellope? Bang on! My really? God, you got oh it my right. God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, because I thought she was obvious. she seemed kind of off when she asked her help to find out, and she was like kind of like dodging the questions, and I was like, oh, that's a little bit off because you know, like girls or at least like friends at that age, they will get kind of excited to gossip about like the identity or the life that she has, but seems that she's not that interested, and I thought that was kind of weird. You are right, and spoiler alert again. I don't know if you want it, but I'll give it anyway. She <laughs> finds out that Penelope is Lady Whistledown in the end of season two, and it does not go well. <gasps> oh, did it fall apart? Yes. Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. it's a bit tragic. It's a bit tragic because their friendship is cute, all in all. But I'm curious. So I know you only reached you only finished three episodes and you didn't start, I guess, episode four. How do you think the story will progress? Well, from the musical, I already know that they got married, but I didn't really know about the other subplot. So for example, for Marina's uh, story, Mm -hmm. I think eventually she will realize that the letter was faked. And my guess was that it is going to be really dramatic. She will only realize that after she let's say she either aborted the child or she married someone else so like she and the father of the kid can never be together and I feel like that's gonna be really tragic knowing the tone of the show I don't know if it's gonna be that heavy so I'm not really sure and in terms of like what other subplot are there Anthony and Sienna mm-hmm. I know they're not gonna get together to get back together because Anthony kind of went back to Sienna to trying to make it up but she refused it so I don't think there's going to be anything more to it judging by what you told me though about um definitely like the the sexual assault thing mm-hmm. I think maybe there'll be another conflict over the kids thing and then they'll somehow trying to come to a re- solution of like settling with the past of Simon's vow to his dad but also have kid I don't know if the uh, the show will decide to give a kid to the two of them Maybe it's like a hopeful future be like, okay, we'll try. Like, I'm feeling happy with you. So I'll leave that vow behind and they'll start fresh. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Interesting thoughts about Marina. She has an attempted abortion. Ooh, it doesn't okay. go through. And oh. she doesn't discover that the letters are forged. Penelope tells her. And oh. Penelope actually publicly reveals that Marina is pregnant out of marriage and uh also Colin oh Oh, man because Colin likes her right exactly and she's really really jealous because she loves Colin and uh, she decided to sabotage her which is awful but she publicly reveals that they were supposed to be engaged she and Colin were supposed to be engaged to be married and because of that the wedding fell through and um the reason why she hasn't received any letters is because her boyfriend I suppose or a lover is dead Oh, no. Yes. His brother 
decide to take his place because he knew about the fact that his brother wanted to make sure before he died that uh, she's protected and she's taken care of and in the end they get married and she has okay sorry yeah she has she has a baby and the baby I guess is his nephew (laughs) and yeah I think it's just to make sure she's cared for and she doesn't have to she doesn't what have a, to what a worry. good brother what a, a good, really brother. good brother exactly. wow I'm surprised speaking of brothers I remember Anthony I couldn't distinguish between Colin and Benedict I think mm-hmm. and Benedict to me has like so little of a personality I'm really hoping that I can see like more of them but I don't know are they going to play a more important role in the story that is coming up Colin is pretty much relegated to be Penelope's love interest. They're still not love interest by the end of the second season. I think the third season is going to be revolving around the two of them. And Benedict, his subplot is about the arts, essentially. So you do see it in the first season, but he's really Mm -hmm. interested in going to art school. Colin was very much missing from the first half of the, not even the first half, I think less than that, of the second season because he was traveling around the world. Uh, And then he was just there to be be a love interest and to still be interested in Marina, even though she's married. But yeah. Okay. Currently, currently they're not very well developed. But Anthony's development, very, very nice. And he had a much more major role even in this season. So you can see his part is always a little bit more meatier. Sue, we talked about all the subplots, so we'll get back to the main plot. Here comes the love interest, Simon, the Duke of Hastings. Simon was abused and neglected by his father, and as a result, he vowed to be childless and to not continue the family line. And he promised this to his father on his deathbed, and as a result, he has no intention of marrying either, because he doesn't want to make somebody else's life miserable if their hope was to have children. Simon is currently the most eligible bachelor in London, and everyone is vying for his attention. He makes a proposition to Daphne, which is a mutually beneficial fake relationship. If he courts Daphne, uh, her desirability will shoot up, while he will be unavailable because he's courting someone for the duration of the courtship, which means people will get off his back. I think it's probably better for Daphne, but whatever. Daphne accepts, and the deception begins. Daphne and Simon grow closer during the courtship, and they have a very passionate makeout session, which Anthony witnesses and secretly also another deputant. And since Simon defiled Daphne, Anthony demands he marries her. And when Simon refuses, which was really for Daphne's benefit because he knew that she wanted children, Anthony challenges him to a duel at dawn. Daphne finds out about the duel and she also realizes that at the same time they have been observed by the other deputants. So she and Simon have to marry before he gets out to the public. She races to the duel location and manages to stop everything just before the duel begins. And Daphne and Simon are to be married. Simon is very, very clear at this point that he cannot have children, which Daphne sadly accepts the fact that like, I guess she'll be childless. Daphne and Simon marry and realize they love each other. During their marriage, Daphne, who thought Simon is sterile, realizes that she can't have children, but uh, doesn't want to have children, which is very difficult for her to bear. That's the point where she sexually assaults him in hopes she'll conceive, but spoiler alert, she doesn't conceive from that particular point, which is a huge relief. 
Simon's lie and Daphne's sexual assault cause a rift between them, but in the end, they patch things over when Simon agrees to have children. This is kind of how it ends. I did not like this ending personally, but the reason that he is okay with it is also he had like the chance to interact with some of the younger sibling the younger Bridgerton sibling so he got to see how he interacts with people and he got to say that he'll be a better father than his own father was to him and also he realizes that his, his father is dead and Simon had the satisfaction of letting him think that there will be no continuation to his line he has no reason to continue that when his father is already dead like why would he do that if he wants to have children if he thinks that he will be a good father to them then he can move on and build a life with Daphne and a family and um he came to the realization that's that's okay with him and I guess I'll give this as a spoiler the season end with Daphne being pregnant and having a child she has a son oh yep so um did you listen to the musical before you watched the three episodes yeah I did was it matching what you thought it would be from the songs themselves so at first I was really confused Mm -hmm. because there were only two girls singing and I didn't know that for example one of them was supposed to be a guy these were supposed to be different characters so I thought at first like finality and everyone was like one big family until I realized that no there are two families and once I read the lyrics it literally stays their name and these were all supposed to be different characters and I'll go like what the fuck I did not know that (laughs) it actually took me a long time a longer time than I wanted to realize that some of the characters in the song was supposed to be a guy I think it was a love duet. I can't remember which one. Probably Burn For Me, which is on- honestly like already very down the list. And I started to realize, wait, hold on a second. This is a love song. It's sing by two girls, which I'm fine with that. But I am sure that this is not what the story is about. So I check it up and yeah, it says Simon. And I'm sure that's not a girl name. So I realized that there are two <laughs> different people. And I think it's only at this point that I realized that you know, the two producers or writers were also the people singing it and uh-huh. there's only the two of them. This is what they can do, kind of. So I thought that was okay, funny. Well, not funny, funny on my part of not recognizing earlier, but that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Did you have any predictions when you wa- when you listened to the musical and then went to watch it? Did you have like preconceptions in mind about how things will go and who is who? Or you only read more in depth into the lyrics of the things after you watched it I only read it like more in depth after I watched it it, it. I think yeah I thought it was really well integrated though in the sense that a lot of the references from the film like I can pick on be like oh that's why the song was titled like this way or like that's why they decided to make a song here I pick up things like that and be like oh that's interesting because I guess I'm not a songwriter at all. So I won't be looking at something and be like, oh, okay, here's probably an opportunity for a song to exist, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to listen to the song first and then going back and watching the whole thing to realize is, oh, these were the points or these were the the gaps where they thought, all right, we need to create a song for this character, so-and-so. So I thought that was interesting to kind of go it, go about it that way. Right. Okay. I was just curious about that. We could move on. <laughs> so maybe we'll see first and foremost, what's your favorite song from the bunch? Okay. So my favorite song is going to be If I Were Man. Okay, nice. <laughs> I thought that was such a funny, catchy song. 
I didn't particularly enjoy her character, to be honest, um, especially in the TV show. I thought it was a little bit forced or redundant. It is very like screaming feminism to me kind of uh, mm-hmm. type of character. And I have no problem with feminism. I'm like a female, but <laughs> I just thought that it was a little bit too strong of that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really like her subplot all too much. But the song itself, it was really catchy. It was kind of like lighthearted, even though it's a more of a heavier thing, probably. But I do like the song. I think that If I Were a Man was probably the first song that I really noticed because it's very catchy. I think it's yeah. one of those songs that you would remember after listening it for one time. And it's something that would stand out of mm-hmm. the bunch when you listen yeah. to it. So for me, the first two songs that stood out of the bunch on first listen was If I Were a Man and Penelope Featherington, which come right after the other, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And uh, they're both the character introducing songs. Mm-hmm. They're very, very good at character introducing because it's very clear who these people are, what's their hangs up, what's kind of like their plot even within the story. So I do think they're very well done. But my favorite after doing many listening for uh, this episode was a toss up between the ruse and friend turned foe. Mm-hmm. And right now I think I'm leaning towards friend turned foe a little bit more. But both of them, I think, I, I like almost equally as much. What do you like about friend turned foe? Because for me, a big critique or um something that I was really hoping to see from the song was the exploration and more about Anthony and Simon's friendship. I feel like that was a little bit missing from the song. I kind of want them to talk more about how they really value each other, but then somehow they had to do this for the family, especially from Anthony's side, I guess. Mm. But because they introduced Daphne into the song like pretty early on, I feel like the entire focus kind of shifted from focusing only on Anthony and Simon into a more of a three people game. That's a mm-hmm. definitely valid critique. I don't think that she should have been introduced there um, as quickly as she was. The main reason why I do like Friends and Turn Foe is because musically, I think it's superior or a little bit better than the rest of them. I also really like The Ruse for the same reason, just musically divorced from anything plot related. So whenever I choose my favorite song, usually it's just for musical reasons. And... The fact that there are definite reasons why it could be improved for plots, I think, is definitely a valid point. I don't think that there was a huge emphasis on their friendships and a little bit more of looking specifically into why their friendship turned sour. I think a lot of it was left for you to understand and a lot of it was left to implication. It would be beneficial to have more of a look into it but because Anthony's character is so clearly revolving around being very protective around his family from the very first episode with him being protective over Daphne and the ball till this portion where he sees that she's being defiled technically and her honor is being trampled on and he's willing to potentially die for it is really really interesting because I think because his character revolves so much around it it's fine in the show but in here because you don't see as much of it it's really really missing and that's something they could definitely improve but musically I really like it okay I actually think that overall this is very well done I think it's very well done particularly until worker bee 
And then the last four songs are a little bit boring to me. They're a bit meh, especially balancing the scale. I think for my opinion, in my opinion, that was the worst one. But the majority of them I thought were very, very successful. Mm-hmm. I thought every inch was the worst for me mm-hmm. out of those four songs. I feel like they have a lot of duet already. So I guess it makes sense for the plot to include a song because they eventually had to make up. So yeah. they have have to have something to demonstrate that how much they in love they are and, you know, that kind of thing. But it's just we have a lot of duet between the two of them. And this one was definitely not as memorable as the other other ones. And that's the reason so, why, in mm-hmm. my opinion, after Worker Beat, it all drags down because every inch, I believe Burn Means Sad as well, and Ocean Away, all of them are like duets between the two of them or yeah. something that revolves around the relationship. And there is no relenting from that. It mm-hmm. sounds a little bit more samey. That's why it drags down towards the end of it, which is a shame because I think it should be elevating a lot more. But also, I think, follows the series really well because the first half of the series is a lot better than the ending of the series. Mm. Uh, this season particularly so I don't think it's planned it might be because this is a musical adaptation really of that um of the season where it happens the more boring stuff or the more unsavory things are at the end but I agree that this is the main reason why it really drags down yeah and ocean away as well oh my goodness it's about just keeps on referencing champagne like what does that even mean (laughs) I don't know I just when I just hear, put it on and, and listen to it without really thinking about too much, all I can hear literally is that one line of where <laughs> they just say that I can't even drink champagne. And I'm like, why is it such a big deal? Is it Does it have any significance of champagne like in the show that I don't know about? I have no idea because I haven't reached to that point, but it's just not a very good song for me. So I agree with you. I think the last four were a little bit of, the definitely ends on a more weaker Mm-hmm. end but the first couple songs especially though were really really well made a hundred percent I think tis the season is an excellent opening number they really managed to introduce all the characters to show all the different voices all the different conflicts and the desires and what is going to be presented to us during the musical what's everybody's goals and conflict and what is going to be except for Simon which makes sense but I thought the way that they managed to weave them together and even give them distinct enough voices that if you're familiar with the show which I'm guessing is what they're meaning to do it's probably four friends of the show and tiktok and whatnot then um people would be able to understand who is saying what despite it being largely the same singer so if i'm not mistaken abigail barlow is the one who's saying pretty much everything and then emily bear did backup vocals um so the fact that she was able to do all these different voices and for me it was distinct enough especially the differences between the featheringtons and the bridgertons she did daphne particularly well the men voices those made me laugh a little bit at points like some of them she tried to do very very deep and it works comedically with if I were a man for example or even worker B because Eloise went really really deep when she wanted to seem like more impressive and more manly Mm -hmm. and more um earthly I guess so in some parts it worked but some parts where she wanted to be like Simon or Anthony it didn't work for me just made me laugh a little bit uh but it was still really really impressive I thought when I learned was only one person I was a little bit shocked Mm mm-hmm Going back to it, what do you think about Lady Whistledown? 
I thought it was okay. It's a good introduction because she's so central and crucial to the story, but it's pretty short. It is. Yeah. It's a minute and 20 seconds. Yeah. And uh, I, I liked it. What I didn't like is Lady Whistledown is such an important character. You hear about her only here, though. And you hear about her in uh, entertaining very briefly. So a huge subplot is taken out of here. Maybe replace some of the last four songs with the big reveal of like them trying to catch Lady Whistledown. Because it's really interesting. They, they really try to catch Lady Whistledown. They have a few ideas. And then Eloise decides to literally make everything go to hell. And she warns Lady Whistledown not to come because the queen will catch her. So she literally saves her unbeknowing who she is so all of this can be very very interesting and they don't tap into that in favor of the main story but when I got for example in the summary based on the songs alone to the main story about how they got married and then what happened in their honeymoon period a little bit like later throughout the marriage and then how they reconcile it literally took a paragraph it's not very long so these songs don't add much and in here you can have a little bit more texture you can give it either to Marina and her subplot or to Lady Whistledown her subplot and I prefer personally Lady Whistledown her subplot it's a little bit less messy I think than Marina's subplot but it's wasted potential because I did Mm -hmm. really like the Lady Whistledown number I think it encapsulates everything in terms of the secretive nature the gossip portion of it very well with the background vocals particularly the tempo of the song really suits this kind of atmosphere so they really made me feel in the mood to the gossipy portion of it, the secrets, the reveals, and the literal fears of the noble class in this case. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe part of the reason why that is is because they don't want to take away the focus from Daphne and Simon, probably. Because yeah. it yeah, seems sure. like the yeah, still the central plot. So you still need things to resolve like around the two of them. And making chasing Lady Whistletown, the focus of the second half would may come out as kind of confusing unless you already know the story so for people who can like come from the tv show you probably know okay this is like the big part of season one but for people who only listen to it the first time and they have no prior knowledge about Bridget as show it might just be like why are we all of a sudden like looking into Lady Whistletown instead of focusing on Daphne and Simon's relationship because that seems to be the focus of Act 1. Unless that they decide to make Lady Whistletown's presence a lot more significant in maybe the earlier scenes of the musical, then that would make more sense to kind of bring it up. Or maybe they can tie it back to um, Daphne and Simon's plot. I don't know how though, but to tell a more complete story with just one musical and have no chance with like a second season or anything yeah I I think they just need to be a little bit more careful with what they want to focus on while giving you know the fair amount of time for other subplots and characters but if that's the case there are three numbers here that revolve around the lady whistle down saga and that's out of 15 so it's a fifth of the musical or the concept album that's revolving around lady whistledown which is a considerable amount i think wait okay obviously there's the lady whistledown song what's the other two entertain me and worker b i don't think does entertainment count 
I think entertain me counts because that's kind of the reason the queen is introduced even. Mm, I don't know. I don't feel like that was the point of the song, though. I totally think that's the point of the song because the whole outcome of the song is she is entertained by Lady Whistledown. She decides this is going to be her purpose. And that's the reason why Worker B is there, right? So Worker B wouldn't be there without Entertain Me. So I do feel like this is the point of, of that song. Obviously, there it's not the sole point of the song. I think mm-hmm. a huge element of it is to introduce the king and her tragic backstory and give you a little bit more context into who the queen is and why she's caring about these things and what she's trying to, she's trying to put a brave front to showcase normality and prosperity despite having a lot of things to struggle with back in the kingdom mm-hmm. but a huge portion of it that moves the plot is the lady whistle down portion and that's why i do think that it's revolving around okay. it centrally okay that's fair so they could literally just balancing the scale is not even sung by daphne i think if i'm not mistaken it's sung by lady bridgerton so they're her mom because she said Edmund are yeah. you there Edmund is their father's name and it's either a duet between her and Daphne or just her mom this one I already said it's my least favorite here so maybe that's why I'm picking up I'm picking on it I would replace with another Lady Whistledown song just to tie it all together because because Worker B doesn't tie it together it mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. gives us some more questions like oh, okay what happens from here how does this thing end and we don't really get a comeuppance to that mm-hmm. yeah that being said how did you like Penelope Featherington as a song because I already mentioned that for me Upon first listening, this and If I Remember were the first two that I noticed and remembered. I really enjoyed Penelope Featherington. I thought it was simple. I thought it showcased who she was really well, not only because of the simplicity of the melody, but also because of the simplicity of the lyrics. It all ties really well together and it speaks to who she is. So it it really captured her for me. But what did you think of it? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good um, character introduction song as well. I think the melody is a little bit too simple for my taste, mm-hmm. but I can see why that is and why they chose to have something as simple as this for her character. And I think the only other two that maybe we can talk about is The Ruse and Alone Together, because we're probably not talking about everything else. So, I don't really have too much to say about the ruse. Or sorry, what's the other one? Alone together. Mm-hmm. I honestly think this is kind of boring to be oh, honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it makes sense that they need to have something like this to show like that secret chemistry that's sort of starting to form between them. But I envisioned this all more as like how they each sing this separately in their own room or something to kind of recall of the time when they can like when they spend together alone and how that make them feel rather than like singing face to face to each other does that make sense it does make sense okay did you get to that part in the story which part so this is pretty much the part where they go out of the dance or whatever it was a ball maybe and they make out no and that's when anthony catches them and uh that's kind of why friend turn foe is almost right after uh no okay 
no problem. So that's the reasoning behind it. I do think that for me, well, it's not that I do think, I'm sure. The Ruse is my favorite of their duets. And I think Mm -hmm. it's because they had the most distinct personality from each other. After that, they're too much in each other's asses for me to like their stuff except for maybe burn for you i think burn for you it shows the passion they have for each other very well and it's also decently catchy and it works right in terms of the uh song orders so the feel of it comes right after friend turn foe it changes the whole mood of it and then you have uh worker b which i think is a really good song to come afterwards so i think it's situated very well but mm-hmm. alone together is okay i have no complaints about it but the ruse i really enjoy just because they are very distinct from each other they have a little bit of scheming they have a little bit of like almost a flirtation they have good understanding they show compatibility and I feel like it all goes out the window with the other duets they have they're just so milk toast yeah okay so I think we're good in terms of the song I do have a question for you about the songs though yeah because I was trying to envision this as an actual stage musical and I was having a hard time trying to come to a a conclusion about what kind of song would well which song would be an at one closer so I was wondering if you have any thought about that friend turned foe okay for sure but that means that they'll have so not a lot of songs to follow that in act two Um, they have like five songs six Worker B is like not even a minute. I wouldn't that's, call that a song. That's true. That's true. But they had short songs in Act One too. Like there, uh, what is it? Full for you is short, and Lady Whistle Down is short. So honestly, if they were to adapt it for stage, I'm assuming they'll beef out the song because the only one that is a decent length is Tease the Season and maybe Oceans Away, which I don't like because it's way too much pop. Like I could see mm. it. like the top 40 right now and it doesn't fit in the musical tone tonally but French and foe makes sense because this is a turning point really like this is when they agree to marry and after that it's kind of like a different chapter this is Mm -hmm. where the ruse ends and then this is where the whole second saga with the kids and the sterility issue being the forefront and center of the thing so this is the logical point for me no doubt Mm -hmm. about that did you have a different answer I don't. And honestly, I don't have an answer. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to see what you think, because I really can't tell. um, I really can't decide when will be a better cutoff point. So regardless, I think friend turned foe would be a good cutoff point. If they were to make this into an actual stage musical, I think they'll add more songs specifically for the... Uh, Lady Featherington, sorry, Lady Whistledown subplot, mm-hmm. maybe the Marina subplot. I wouldn't count on it, honestly, if it were the Marina subplot because it's too much. It's too messy. It takes a lot of time. If they were to add an additional third subplot, it should probably be the Sienna Anthony one, especially yeah. because Anthony is probably the, be- the best character they have too. Okay. But uh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Perfect. Thing that means we can go towards the uh, the quiz portion. Okay. Yeah. Wait, did you say who's your favorite character already? Penelope. No, no, no. Penelope is not my favorite. Okay. Anthony or Kate. I mean, Kate is in season two. She's a love interest. Oh, okay. Either of them would be my favorites currently because it's season one. I'd have to say probably Anthony. 
Okay. Okay. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. He's just amazing. And the actor is so talented. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So on the character note, the quiz today will be <laughs> these seven questions will determine which character from Bridgerton best matches your personality from BuzzFeed again. All right. So how would your closest friend describe you? I already oh, know mine, but nurturing, cunning, stubborn, shy, witty, saucy. So I know you'll describe me as stubborn. For you, um, think out of them, shy would probably be the best description. Okay. Um, how would you occupy your time in Mayfair? Tea with the ton, playing the piano forte, attending the fights, gambling, embroidery, reading reading would you do that at a fair though because reading you can do wherever what's mayfair i'm assuming it's the do you know like the maypole no it's like a pole where you have i think it's like to celebrate spring or harvest and i'm I'm sure you watched it but midsummer did you watch midsummer midsummer what is that a show or something no, it's a horror movie with Florence Pugh. No. Okay. Why would I watch a horror movie? Because it's like an artsy horror movie. I feel like that would be something that you might enjoy. But okay. it's it's very, very critically acclaimed. That's another reason. Because I feel like you, t- you tend to have like a, you tend to have similar tastes to critics anyway. So I did think you would probably enjoy it. But maybe it's something that you should check it out. I don't know depending on how frightened you are from these situations but it's essentially from my understanding like a spring or like a harvest festival that takes place around may and usually i would do reading if it was any pastime thing but since it's at a fair or some kind of public festival i think i wouldn't do this in this case so i would probably go for tea with a ton okay or playing the piano forte but i can't play so tea Select a Bridgerton character to promenade with. Marina Thompson, Violet Bridgerton, Queen Charlotte, Colin Bridgerton, Will Mondrich, Portia Featherington. Okay, they don't give us Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Uh, I don't know much about Will. I don't know. I don't like Portia. She's like really unlikable. Marina seems okay, but she's very cunning. Violet. Violet seems nice. Let's go with Violet. Who did you pick? I don't know. The queen? (laughs) Why not? You're bored at yet another ball. Pick a novel to read to pass the time. Pride and Prejudice, that's done for me. The Duke and I by Julia Quinn. Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Alice's Adventure in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll. Pride and Prejudice all the way for me. Pride and Prejudice. How good are you at keeping a secret? I'll never share a secret with anyone. I tell one close friend. I might share with a few trusted people. I've literally told everyone. There are no secrets between man and wife. Only my diary knows my secrets. Have you mm. ever kept a diary? Yeah. Really? Do you keep one now? Like a journal um, or a diary? I have a journal. I don't write it every day though. So I won't call it a diary. Wow. I had several yeah. attempts at okay. making a diary when I was much younger. And I was very bad at being consistent. And mm. I haven't had an attempt in years and years and years. <laughs> Do you find um, it beneficial? 
I think so. Just because I don't really have a good memory about things that happened. So it kind of helps me to keep a note of what happened, literally, or how I felt about certain events and stuff. So, so you, you know sometimes like you grow it. out of um a certain age and maybe something that like triggered you or something that makes you feel like very emotional wouldn't be as intense right now. Mm. It kind of just like reminds you of what you felt or what you thought about um certain things at that age, which Aww. I thought sometimes would be embarrassing, but a lot of the other times it was just interesting to see, oh, this is how I thought. And you were not embarrassed because I remember looking back at my own diary whenever I read like certain excerpts, I tried to get rid of them, but I was deeply ashamed personally. I think there's always that element of feeling embarrassed about um, maybe overreacting to a lot of the things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just find it amusing and interesting that oh, this is how I used to think. That's such a good attitude about it. Anyway, back to the question. Oh. <laughs> um wait okay I'll go with I might share it with a few trusted people I think I'd go with either this or I tell one close friend depending on how juicy it is if it's just whatever I'll probably forget about it to be fair but maybe I'd tell to one close friend if it's very very secretive what scandalous (laughs) thing would Lady Whistledown report you doing Ooh dirty you were seen sneaking off into the garden and chaperoned you were caught behaving inappropriately in mixed company you accidentally slided the queen you got caught illegally dueling you lost all your money gambling you were kicked out of a bar for being too drunk i don't know behaving improperly in mixed company same i'm sure that happened to me many times yeah finally which shondaline character would you choose to confide in Christina Yang from Grey's Anatomy, Annalise Keating from How to Get Away with Murder, Addison Montgomery from Private Practice, President Fitzgerald Grant III from Scandal, Leonard Knox from For the People, Ben Jones from The Catch. I only watched one of these things, so I'd have to go with the, with her, but it's Annalise Keating from How to Get Away with Murder, and I, don't, I didn't even finish the first season. I watched, I think, like two episodes. <laughs> Or something. I think I got maybe double where you went. So maybe like I got to episode four. I know that I didn't finish the first season. Uh, I really don't know. It's just going to close my head. It was close my eyes and pick one <laughs> randomly. Da-da. Oh, okay. I also got Annalise. I okay. Got, but I also so who'd you Annalise. get? You want to take a guess? Eloise? Yes. Yes. Okay, so here goes. No one has a more curious spirit than you. You're smart and analytical and love to learn new things no matter the challenge and you don't take no for an answer. Plus, you're independent, make decisions for your, oh, sorry, with your head instead of your heart. You take risk, march to beat to the beat of your own drum and are a bit of a trailblazer, even if you deny it. You sound positively depressed reading the description. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't really like her. It seems like it, yeah. Um, but I got a worse character. I got Daphne Bridgerton. Oh. Yeah. You're an extremely kind-hearted person who dedicates themselves to their family. You strive to uphold tradition and go out of your way to help others. Though you're most certainly polite and well-mannered, that doesn't stop you from being opinionated and speaking your mind. Well, they got the last part right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. So that's what it is. Okay. Should we ignore the results and go to our final rankings? Sure. Um, I'll give it 
Seven out of ten. I don't know biscuits because it's British. Okay, I'm gonna give it seven point five out of ten. Champagnes. Oh, nice, good one. Yeah, I, in closing thoughts, thought that it was very, very good up until the last like four songs. I was particularly disappointed from the number twelve and number fourteen, and sorry, number thirteen and number four, uh, fifteen, and. Uh, I, I'm really impressed by the attempt, by the camaraderie around it, putting it around TikTok, having it like a, be a whole social media phenomenon and being very open with the creation portion of it. I, I'm i not going to share any more of my opinion around the messiness of the child, but as a creative endeavor, it seems like it, it is a passion project, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. In case this comes out on time, I want to say I also posted on our Instagram and it it did get a lot of uh, interactions, which I appreciate. But I was in Edmonton until today. I am recording this about two hours after I came back. So fresh from the airport and in Edmonton right now, I believe until the 21st of August, there is something called Edmonton Fringe Festival. There are fringe festivals pretty much in every city. There was one in Toronto. Um, in July as well which I haven't gone to this is my first experience in a French festival and one of the productions that they held during the festival was Ride the Cyclone and it was something that we've already talked about before I think we both had quite a good time watching it from our screens and discussing it over and having the opportunity to see Uh, production of it in some sort of a live capacity was a great experience the cast was very very talented and they did a really good um, job in terms of like the design and the casting so if you have the chance to see it and you're hearing it before August 21st I would really suggest to support the uh, the production in any way you can if you're in the Edmonton area it's really a good time go check it out guys go check it out Okay, so I think that is it for me <laughs> and my announcements. But yeah, support support French festivals, support small local events if you can. They're really, really great. And there are some real gems in there. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, thank you so much for listening, guys. If you want to discuss the unofficial Bridgerton musical with us, you want to discuss anything else we covered in the past, or you want to give a suggestion for what to cover in the future, you can reach out to us via our social media at Podway Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. If you're not a social media person, neither are we. You can reach out to us via our email at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. And if you have it in your big, ginormous, lovely, lovely heart to give us like a rating on Spotify or maybe a comment, that would really, really help us out because it will help boost our podcast within the algorithm and help more people find us out and grow the community so we'd appreciate it if you would if you feel like it but with that being said thank you so much for listening and bye bye